The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho's The Pot of Thunder and Rock and Roll and the exclusive home of the much-anticipated, always-appreciated Duff McKagan joke of the week. This Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. Uh, uh, English 101 here. Uh, a colon, you know, can change the whole meaning of a sentence. For example, Jane ate her friend's sandwich. There's one. Second, Jane ate her friend's colon. You see the difference? Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> oh my gosh, that one was absolutely terrible. Oh, but thanks to Duff for delivering it. Anyways, we all love you here at Talk Is Jericho. Maybe if you spend as much time working on jokes as he does touring, uh, like Guns N' Roses are doing this summer, uh, he'd be a much better comedian. Of course, I'm just kidding because Guns N' Roses are hitting the Middle East, Europe, and North America. Dates start June 1st in Abu Dhabi. And Fozzie's spring tour is underway. We started last night with a sold-out show in Bloomington, Illinois. We're playing another uh, show tonight in Hobart, Indiana. That one is almost sold out, as is Milwaukee uh, tomorrow night, Saturday. And then, of course, Sunday we're in Cincinnati. And Monday we're in Johnson City, Tennessee. The first leg rolls through April 17th. Lots of those dates are sold out, especially the VIPs. But don't worry, we added more as we're touring the West Coast with Ugly Kid Joe starting May 4th in Los Angeles. And we're going to Las Vegas, Albuquerque, Houston, Dallas, all the way to Tampa, Florida. The full list and ticket information is on FozzyRock.com. Come rock with us and come to the VIP meet and greet. It's one of the best in the biz. Nine VIPs are sold out on this tour. So go to FozzyRock.com and make sure to grab one for the cities where they're still available. We meet you. We take pictures with you, sign autographs, play a private sound check for you. It's a lot of fun. So hit up FozzyRock.com and we'll see you on the road. All right. Today on the show... It's another great pod that we recorded live on the Jericho Cruise Four Leaf Clover. Of course, the five live is sold out. To get on the wait list, go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And this show today is all about death matches, and this panel is stacked. We got Sabu, arguably the pioneer of the death match. Dr. Luther, death match expert, had many crazy matches against Sabu in FMW in Japan and brought the death match to South Africa. Matt Cardona, the king of the death match. And Ruby Soho, who just had a banger of a street fight death match on AEW Rampage against my girls Ty Mello and Anna Jay with her partner, uh, Willow Nightingale. Ruby's going to tell us all about that, including the interesting reaction she got from fans due to all the blood in that match. Ruby was covered from head to toe. 
And of course, I'm no stranger to the deathmatch either. I had a bloody one against Nick Gage at AEW a couple years ago. So we're talking all about the weapons used in the ring, like glass, light tubes, pizza cutters, thumbtacks, barbed wire, and toothpick-covered giant Q-tips. We got stories about fan riots and attacks, all the things that have been thrown at us. Lots of great stories today, so let's get started. Deathmatch is live from the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at C4 Leaf Clover, right here, right now, on Talk is Jericho. want to talk about hardcore wrestling want to talk about death matches with some of the pioneers of the art and some of the newer uh people involved so it's going to be a good one so let's invite on stage uh we'll start off with with the legendary sabu is here one of the pioneers of the death match dr luther is here ruby soho from a female perspective and then, of course, the king of the death match, Matt Cardona. How about Sabu? One guy loves ECW. <laughs> But let's start about uh, talk. Start talking about the, the the form of hardcore wrestling, and I guess you'd say death matches. And I think the first guy that I can remember from my career that was really doing this was, of course, Sabu. You were kind of a pioneer of this form of wrestling, the the, the hardcore, the death match, all that sort of thing. Well, so was Dr. Luther. He was Dr. Right, right along with me. That's right. Uh, and we were understudies of Onita, Osushi Onita. So uh, actually, he gets the credit for that. Now Onita kind of brought this. Um, form of wrestling from Puerto Rico? Is that kind of where he got it from? Because you guys got, were kind he of... got it from Puerto Rico, right. yes. You guys were FMW originals back like in 1990, 91. Yes, uh, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, yes. So was that the first time you'd gone to Japan? Was it uh, Onita and FMW? Yes, yeah. It was my first trip, uh, my first break, yes. And that was through your uncle, right? Yeah, well, uh, Onita called my uncle and wanted him to come for a tag team tournament and said that uh, he could bring anybody for his partner. And he goes, I'll bring my nephew. And he goes, it don't matter who, just uh, anybody to do the job. And uh, so he brought me in and the uh, rest is history. You know. So what was it like for you, Len, when you come from Calgary? And obviously, um, you know, we're, we're Stampede Wrestling fans. We love the Hart Brothers and we love Dynamite Kid and, and, and Dave Boy Smith and kind of this real technical style of wrestling. And the first time we go to Japan, it's to FMW, which like Sabu said, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, which was brand new, but it was very much known for bleeding and barbed wire and brawls and fights. I remember going there going, this is Japanese wrestling? I never even thought. <laughs> Where, where's the, the holds and, 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 and the moonsaults? Well, the, the one thing is Stampede Wrestling is what we grew up on. You forget, though, they had a lot of coal miners glove matches. They had the first ever ladder matches. They did a lot of, like, bleeding in Calgary at the time, too. So there was some of that elements, but... One thing I think I had when I went there uh, is I was very naive. I didn't know who all, any of these people were, so I was never nervous walking into anything because I didn't know what I was getting into. And Same here. <laughs> you have to watch. Like, when you get there, obviously, they have you in a couple prelim matches early on, and then I would just watch the main events, and I was like, this stuff is crazy. Like, I've never <laughs> seen stuff like that. But, but you just roll with it, right? That's how you That's how you. But o- o- only the main event was crazy. The rest crazy of the show, though, yeah. The, only, the rest of the show was normal wrestling, you know. 
is and let's talk about Onita was so over. I remember when we went there, he was so popular. Um, he knew exactly how to get the crowd. Do you want to talk a little yeah. bit about him as a performer? You he, was, he, he was like Japanese Hulk Hogan, really. Like everywhere he went, everybody knew him. It didn't matter what he did. I, the, the fact he'd cry in the, after the matches, and that would get over so much too. And he made a lot of, uh, a lot of stars along with him as well. I mean, Hayabusa became a huge star. Yeah. Um, Me, and that was his you. understudy. <laughs> yeah, he would, uh, after his matches, would go into the ring, uh, and all the fans would come gather around ringside, Whoa. and he would pour water over I his think head. And <laughs> it's okay, brother, it's the ocean. <laughs> he would pour water over his head, and he would cry. And the idea of crying was to show how much... Like respect. How much respect yeah. he had for his fans, right? Yep. Yeah. Did you guys ever uh, grow up watching this FMW style or like the Puerto Rico or anything like that? I would definitely see it in all like the PWI magazines and stuff like that. And I had all like the figures, of course, because I collect the figures. So it was cool too. It's, it's weird that I'm on this stage with, like, what am I doing on the same stage as Sabu? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> agreed, agreed. Thank you. I was certainly a fan. But it's funny because Thank you've you. made kind of this uh, a career, a, a, another career for yourself by getting heat as being king of the death match. <laughs> But you've had some crazy death matches. I've actually only had one death match. <laughs> but that's the thing, because I've learned from you, you take something day. and you run with it, right? So that's my gimmick. I'm the death match king, but I've only done one. But it was, it was a great death match against Nick Gage, who he sliced the f*** out of me. <laughs> he carved me up. I still got glass in my back. I'm serious. <laughs> Nick, uh, you've only had one hard uh, death match? One death match. One. I thought you had thousands. I'm, I had no idea. I did. See, I work Sabu. <laughs> That's the deal. Got to work. You know how now, Ruby, work. you've had some some crazy death matches. That's why I asked you because Nick Nick didn't make it on board. And I thought, well, let's talk to from a female perspective. You just had a, a guess. She just had an excellent death match with Willow versus my girls Anna and Ty. Do you feel because these matches are crazy? Do you feel because uh, being w women that you have? Uh, a spotlight on you or a microscope on you when you do these matches you have something you have to kind of live up to it's been really interesting to see because i've i did a few death matches in my indie career but i'd never done anything hardcore or anything since i'd been on tv and so after that street fight the response i got was very interesting to see how many people were upset at the fact that i was bleeding as much as i was because I was a female. I understand if, you know, death matches aren't your thing or, or hardcore matches aren't your thing, if that's just not your style, but if you can't come up with a reason other than the fact that I'm a woman that you don't like that I'm bleeding, yeah. kindly <laughs> off. And it, once again, and you guys went for it too with tax and barbed wire and all that sort of thing. But let's the, the introduction of barbed wire matches. And Sabu obviously had some of the craziest ones I've ever seen. Actually, Eddie Kingston and I had a barbed wire match that I watched yours, uh, one of the ones you had in ECW, just to get some ideas from. Lenny obviously had some as well. Let's talk a little bit about about that when they were first, when you guys were first told, like, hey. Tonight you're having a barbed wire match. Was that first in Japan for you, Sabu, or was that ECW? Uh, Japan. It was my uh, second tour of Japan, and my uncles were with me at the time. I was there I'm alone, and they go, tonight's a barbed wire match. I go, oh, sweet. Like, uh, I'm going to try my hardest, and I'll never, probably never see another one again. So I'm going to try my hardest. And uh, 
uh, <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, I tried a little too hard, and they confused that with loving it. And I, I never loved it. I just I could do it because uh, that's what I was faced with, you know. Uh, but I never loved it. But but uh, the first barbed wire match came out of nowhere. I had no idea, no build up for it, no no idea that this tonight's barbed wire match. Oh, oh cool, you know. We supposed to do with this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember we had one in Canada. Me and Beef Wellington. That's actually was his name, Beef Wellington. I remember him. I remember him. Also known as Biff Wellington. Biff Wellington. Beef yeah. Wellington. Yeah. Um, only in wrestling, right? And uh, it was 1993, and we were wrestling in Calgary. It was kind of like in the ashes of Stampede at the Victoria Park Pavilion. Pavilion, little yeah. tiny little place. Tiny place. So um, he wanted to do something to, to, to up the house, so he and I had a barbed wire match. And it was such a, such a controversy, because it was the, maybe possibly the first barbed wire match in Canadian history. And Calgary had a commission, so it was a big thing. Big deal. So the Boxing Wrestling Commission, which would kind of regulate you and tell you what you could and couldn't do. So what they said was they would allow us to have the barbed wire match, but one side of the barbed wire would be clipped, one side of the ring. We forgot which side was clipped. <laughs> Is it that one? Is it this one? And as you know, when you get thrown into the barbed wire, it sticks and it catches you and it sticks in your hair. And I remember like, what the f*** are we doing? I think I got paid like 150 bucks, which for the night was a bonus. It was like we got paid double. We had probably 250 people instead of 100. Canadian so we drew. though, right? Canadian, yeah. Canadian <laughs> but just the whole thought of like, what do we do? I'll, I'll throw you into the barbed wire and see what happens because like, <laughs> there's no way of really knowing it's it, it, it's just you can't judge how you're going to take a bump in a barbed wire right sabu right it's uh take it by ear and uh, see what happens yeah exactly, see how bad exactly. see how much you can take you know if you guys had the, with the barbed wire that you guys use anna has it around her arm and that sort of thing did that catch you at all in, in the matches you guys had um i was not on the receiving end of that okay. barbed wire that was willow <laughs> um but yeah it's it's crazy how some things that you are anticipating to hurt don't hurt as bad, and then the things that you don't anticipate hurting really bad are the things that suck. Like chairs, for example, hitting, getting hit in the back with a chair is like getting back chopped by God. Like it's just, it hurts, so, it stings so bad. I would rather fall into thumbtacks than getting hit in the back with a chair. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Did you do barbed wire matches too? Yeah, did a lot there. Um, I did a pay-per-view in Portland. I did the first ever barbed wire match in South Africa. Wow, so I did, yeah. I did quite a bit. And like some, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like you're talking about hitting the barbed wire, it gets weird. Like I got thrown in, cause they would take the ropes off and just put barbed wire around the whole, the whole thing, like three ropes of barbed wire. I hit it with my back and it unwound. So I was hanging oh. in the midair <laughs> off and it was enough that like I couldn't get any momentum to get myself back up. Like I had to get the young boys, young girls to try to like push me up at the time. Uh, that was a little scary because you're like stuck and it's just stuck in you at that time. Like 
it couldn't go anywhere. So that was one of the weirdest. Like, talking about hitting it, you have no idea what's happening. You were lucky, though, because as Dr. Luther, the character you were kind of, it was like a Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter type thing, and you were a full cover. It doesn't help much. It, no, it's I was going to say it's actually worse because then I'm stuck yeah. on it. Yeah. Like, it's not coming much. off at all. So. <laughs> it's like having long hair. The, yeah, the one I, the one idea that I took from you, Sabu, is when you did the barber match and it ripped your whole your, your uh, tights or t- your your what do you call them the bottoms wrestling pants yeah the wrestling <laughs> pants the, the Arabian <laughs> wrestling pants yeah. the silk wrestling pants <laughs> but it, it ripped it completely open and just it, it just looked so much more visual to see that your wrestling pants were actually torn apart by this barbed wire that was the work I I I worked that oh really I knew it I knew. Uh, that would make someone like you say, wow. Hey, we're <laughs> <laughs> oh, working each I'm other up here. And, uh, I don't like telling my tricks, but uh, that was one of them. This is actually great to have Sabu up here talking because a lot of times he doesn't really, he was known for not saying a lot. So we appreciate having you up here telling any of your stories. You, you, you guys made me feel very at ease, and, and I, I'm super glad I came. I was uh, regretting it up until I got on the boat. <laughs> 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 something else, since, since we're talking with Sabu, obviously it's something that you see in every single match now. Not every single match, we see it in every single show usually, which is the table bump. Yes. Right here, this is the guy that started it. From what I can recall, you were the first guy that were doing the bumps to the tables. Tell us how that kind of all started. Well, I wasn't the first one to use a table, but I, I, I would say I was the first one to use a table as like part of my moveset, right. you know. And how it got started is I wrestled, uh, me and my uncle wrestled Luther and uh, Hannibal one day, and we lost. And, and no big deal, but my uncle said, get back in the ring and get your heat back. I go, what do you want me to do? He goes, think of something. And I looked around and I said, how about I moonsault the table? And he goes, what's that? I go, I'll show you. <laughs> it went from there. <laughs> it went from there. It was a complete accident, not a plan. That one... Uh, because your uncle was, as a shoot, was the, was the, the sheik, the, sheik, the yes. original sheik, um, legendary guy. Not the golden sheik, the sheik. The, nah, the sheik, <laughs> but, he, but he was also obviously known for being a very hardcore style, crazy style. So he told you, go in the ring and get your heat back. Yes. And so just doing a table. Those Japanese tables, which you guys might not know, are about an inch and a half thick. They are hard to break well they're not too hard to break they're hard to hit because they're so small you know you have to hit them right in the middle to break them and it's hard to hit that middle sometimes you know sometimes you overshoot or undershoot i remember being at a show and it took you like five or six tries to break one and i kept thinking like i felt sorry for you for every time i was like (laughs) stop i feel sorry for uh, listen to this Uh, in kawasaki stadium 50 some thousand people i'm wrestling luther me and my uncle's wrestling luther and hannibal I have Luther on a table outside the ring. I'm going to do a moonsault. So song. far away. So far away. I couldn't have made it if I prayed. And, and I, I was going to do a, a top rope moonsault out of the ring through the table. So, but when I did it, my knee plastered him right in the head. Oh, got me right in the yeah. Knocked me out. Yeah, knocked him right out. But it worked. And, uh, and so I don't <laughs> so remember, I I don't remember getting back to the ring. I just remember getting hit with the moonsault and you saying, kick out. <laughs> and I didn't know where I was, nothing. Yeah, I apologize for that. That's brother. okay, man. <laughs> but, but Chris, now on, on all these indie shows that I'm doing now, because I'm still doing like street fights and stuff like that, only one death match, but I still do, you know, hardcore stuff and stuff like that. 
people can't get tables. You can't just go to Home Depot and get a table anymore. So it's just right. doors now. Yeah. Everything is like, it's like they're using doors as the new <laughs> doors, table. Doors. I feel like I'm in backyard wrestling. You got to build the table. You got to you set the door on the chairs as a table. You it's funny it. because the other day in your guys' match, they, they said there's, not, there's no tables available. I said, well, just go to Home Depot and buy one. You can't buy tables anywhere? You can't buy tables anymore. <laughs> no, you have to like order them online and like ship them to you. Like, so they you can't just walk into Home Depot anymore. That's really crazy. Because I remember wow. hearing that. I was like, just get them a table. Or they're plastic <laughs> and it's just like a trampoline when you hit it. You bounce right off, off it. it. You bounce right off it. <laughs> So how did you have the, the, this death match? You mentioned with Nick Gage, and I had a death match with Nick Gage as well. Nick's a great guy. Once again, he didn't make it on the trip, but uh, here's the Nick. Uh, but t- tell, me about, tell me about the match that, that you had, because it was a crazy match. I watched it, and I was thinking, oh, my so gosh. Nice. Yeah, so uh, the opportunity was presented to, to wrestle Nick Gage, and I'm thinking, no way. Like, absolutely not. Uh, his dark side of the ring just came out, and I tried watching it. I couldn't even get through it. It was disgusting. I'm like, I don't want to wrestle this <laughs> criminal this guy's gonna kill me right but i knew it would create buzz i i couldn't anticipate the amount of buzz it would create it, yeah. it changed my whole career like i'm the deathmatch king i had one deathmatch right um <laughs> but i'm like yeah i'll wear like all white like white pants like white pads a white shirt i'll get like a couple trickles of blood on there i was my shirt was red it was drenched <laughs> i was covered in blood but i loved it i could understand why people i, I always thought like why the People do this shit. And then when I was in there, the adrenaline and the fans and just seeing the blood and tasting the blood, I loved it. And I, maybe I'm sick, but it was incredible. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about, um, the, the, I'm just thinking of the death match that I had with Nick uh, and, the, and the introduction of Glass, which is a whole different world as well. And obviously Nick knew a lot about the glass and he said, make sure you get tempered glass because it breaks a little bit easier or like it's a little bit more marble-like when you hit. And we did a spot where we put two chairs with the glass on top and I gave him a Frankensteiner from the top through the glass. What was crazy... A sheet of glass. A sheet of glass, yes. What was crazy, though, is like like we said, you you can't really monitor how these things are going to react. And when I went to the top and gave him the the Frankensteiner, the ring moved and this glass, it bounced up and just barely made it for him to hit it because before it was going to fall off the chair. Like, there's no way of really knowing. You can't, like, trust glass. Right. You can't <laughs> trust barbed wire. But I just remember, like, if that thing would have fallen, like, it's just, like, you just, everything is just a, a, a second uh, that could go wrong. But then, uh, and then he brings out the, uh, the light bulb tubes. And I remember thinking, like, uh, have you guys ever had, the, have you done the light no, bulb? No, I've used the light bulb one time, but I never had a that light bulb it. match. And have you guys used the light bulb too? Too many times. Yeah. Too many times, right? <laughs> King of the death match. <laughs> and the one, one the one thing I was told is, like, the light bulb has, like, phosphorus in it. Oh, gases. Which is poisonous. Yeah. So we took the phosphorus out and put baking powder in. There's a oh, trick for you. Yeah. So it looked amazing when it blew up, but it wasn't dangerous for us. Because this is on national TV. Well, you're a lot smarter than me, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they did that in GCW. <laughs> you on the tubes? Yeah, a few times, of course. Down in ECCW. And just like... It, the, but they would just bring it from, like, Home Depot, and here yeah. we go. <laughs> Hit each other. But just that one freaked me out because I was—I remember thinking like, just like you, like I'll never take a light bulb tube. That's ridiculous and stupid. But then you get in there and it's a death match with Nick Gage, and it's like, get sure, hit me with the damn light bulb tube. But it's a little scary because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Close your eyes, kid. Yeah. 
<laughs> Trust me. So you, you talk about the glass. So I went through the glass in that match. And believe it or not, GCW doesn't have like a medical team or anything like that backstage. <laughs> so there was a, a nurse backstage who, who stitched me up and she told me they were dissolvable stitches. They were not. And I got infected. I got infected. And then when I went to like the doctor, they were still pulling glass out of my back like weeks later. Wow. It was like, you couldn't clean this out it was it was horrible you said you still have glass in your back I'm, I'm sure there's like there's still like some weird pieces in my shoulder because there's like these little tiny pieces and if you don't get them out right away and you heal up that's it pal you know you're fucked you had any glass experience ruby not any glass experience but i have done tubes before i did um queen of the death for iwa mid-south it was in the backyard of a strip club called the rustic frog <laughs> 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 yeah, in 90 degree weather against a woman by the name of Lou Dark, um, who I believe is from Mexico, and she's a crazy bitch. Like, in the best way. She's awesome and fearless, and I didn't have a lot of experience with it. And I, I think I like tubes. That baking powder thing is brilliant, by the way. But I think I like tubes just for the, the pop that happens when you get hit with them. It kind of scares you and everybody else around you. So it's I. That's really my only experience with it. But yeah, that was an, an interesting tournament. But it makes the sound though, right? Yeah, so, that yeah, pop the, when it when it breaks is awesome. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk a little bit about being in Japan and working with, with Oni and FMW and how you guys would... The fans were terrified of Sabu and Luther because they thought you guys were completely insane. They weren't really terrified of me. They were terrified of him and my uncle. Yeah. They, they weren't really terrified of me. I was oh. a baby face. You know? But they were terrified of the Sheik as well? Yeah, and, and, and Luther, yes. yes. So talk about some of that, Len. How, how, talk about the gimmick and how you would scare well, the Well, I'll set it up. He used to come to the ring with uh, like a Hannibal Lecter mask and, and a straight jacket. Now you take it from there. They would basically wheel him to the ring just like the movie sounds. No, no, no. He'd, he'd come oh. out of the dressing room. Going so crazy, I wheeled my very first time I people. got wheeled out. Tell. And then I just took, took that away. So... I don't know, it would be like, as soon as I run out, people would just take off. So I would just follow everybody, and it would be like hundreds of people just running. Trampling each other, the trampling to get away from them. Even to the, sometimes when we'd be working in the ring, I would just look to go out, and the whole side <laughs> would just take off. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It's like, I don't even care what happens in the ring now, I just want to do all that. <laughs> They, yeah, they believed awesome. in his character so much. It's really worth looking up if you can see it on YouTube. Like you said, he would just look at the crowd and they would run like Godzilla's <laughs> walking through Tokyo or something. So Ricky Fuji brought a couple of the girl wrestlers in to meet me and they were scared because I'd already done a whole tour and this was the second tour and they thought that that was really that me. That was really you, yeah. That, I, that, that, was, that I was going to rip their face off as soon as they came in and then they met me and they were like super scared, but it was cool. How did you come up with that gimmick? Did you did you think you needed something crazy to go to FMW or? So, you know, I got the got the gig from Wrestling U that when they came to watch, and I didn't really have a, that kind of gimmick. So, um, you were luscious Lenny St. Clair, Lenny St. Clair from, from Diamond Springs, California. <laughs> I gotta see videos of that. Drink it Holy in, shit. people. Drink it in. <laughs> so, 
I, uh, I just knew, I didn't really know anything about the company at all, except for what you guys had told me. And um, they said it's like a scary thing, so I just sort of took that from that movie a little bit and just rolled with it. But, and, you know, I just learned, like I said, when I got there, just watching what everyone else does. And as you know, with wrestling, like, wherever you're at, you have to be able to adapt. transition and adapt to what adapt, they're doing. Adapt, yeah. And if you don't, you're not going to last long. So and then I got to wrestle like really good people. I got to wrestle. I wrestled Sebi so many times. Like many, many. We, didn't, we didn't even have to talk about stuff. We yeah. could just basically go in and do it, and it was great. And just finish, you know. Yeah. Usually a one move finish. That was, yeah, <laughs> that was it. And so I was really blessed a lot with that. And working Goto was easy. Working Onita was easy. Um, and if you work Onita, and you're easy, you're but stiff. Those guys would kill us with chairs. Oh yeah, stiff. I mean, kill you if you didn't protect yourself. You're knocked out. But it's all good. And even if you protected yourself, you got knocked out sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, That's true. They showed no mercy. There is the chairs that would pop out, and then there's the chairs that you get hit ten times and nothing would even <laughs> happen. <right>. <laughs> and <laughs> they well, didn't look stiff, but they were. And Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, like Sabu Sibs was called, so what they would use is they have a lot of wrestlers, but they have a lot of fighters mm. that knew nothing about wrestling. They would just stick in martial arts guys. My first match in, in FMW was a six-man with Weida. Weida, the kickboxer. Kickboxer. Yeah. The worst. The worst. Oh, yeah. My very yeah, first match in Japan ever. And I go to the ring, and this guy, he had no front teeth, and he wore kickboxing <laughs> shorts. And oh, taped ankles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, all he would do yeah. was he didn't speak a word of English, and he didn't talk to him before. He just went out there. This guy was just kicking the shit out of him. He hated him. all of us. He, he yeah. hated the foreigners. Yeah, hated foreigners. He didn't like working. I remember, so he's kicking me out. He's beating me up so bad. I was like, well, I'd seen a match earlier, like you said, where someone could just grab a chair. and like, I guess you could just So I went out of the floor. I grabbed a chair. I hit this guy as hard as I could in the f***ing head. Hard as I could. And he looked at me like Mongo from Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> and then he left me alone after that. <laughs> you guys respect. <laughs> but the, and you guys actually work quite a bit with Leon Spinks. He just passed away. A legit heavyweight boxing champion. What was it? I tagged with him. It was uh, very surreal. So he didn't have any clue what was going on at all. Like the whole time. He, he so, thought he was coming to Japan to play or to box, but he goes, yeah. he goes, How are we playing tonight? You know, yeah. are we playing? Yeah, how are we playing? So I'd tag him and he'd just stand there and look at me. And I was like, You got to go in, Leon. And he'd just go, You're crazy. <laughs> and then he'd smile at me. I was like, No, you got to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby, when you talked about doing the death match, you mentioned that you had them prior to, to AEW as well. Is that something that you would do frequently? Would they book you as like, a, here's a big draw of the night, the death match, female death match? Not really. Um, my former tag team partner, um, she used to be known as Crazy Mary Dobson. and she did a lot of the death match stuff. Um, but every once in a while, uh, when I was a mainstay at a certain promotion, they'd always get me to a point where they would kind of convince me to do a death match or a hardcore match. Um, Ian Rotten was one of those people who convinced me to do uh, Queen of the Death. I didn't think I was going to make it past the first round. Um, it's an actual tournament. It's a queen, tournament. Queen, queen of, of the, the death, death matches. Wow. <laughs> um, they had a king and queen. A king and, yeah, I didn't. I didn't win the queen <laughs> of the death match, but it was it was interesting to see people actually not wanting to get past the first round. Some of the people who are just regular wrestlers who are just dipping into this every once in a while, like fighting to not win. So they don't have to go to the next round. But I ended up going to the second round. And honestly, I was encountered with probably one of the most painful weapons I've ever seen in my life. It was a fans bring the weapons match. And uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. It, 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 
some of these fans were, they were messed up in the head. It was a, it was like one of those um, gladiator Q-tip things that you, fu- but wrapped in toothpicks. Oh, wow. Jeez. And the girl I wrestled didn't really speak a whole lot of English. So her and I were under the agreement. I pick something up. You don't like it. Hit me. I'll drop it. You pick something up. I don't like it. Hit you. Drop it. But I was on all fours when she picked said weapon up. And she hit me in the ass so hard with that damn Q-tip that I had, I had a porcupine in my ass. Like, it was just, they were all sticking out, and one broke off in my ass cheek, and then I had to have people take pliers and pull it out of my ass. I found a toothpick that was this big that was stuck in my ass cheek, and I sold it to a fan for 50 bucks at intermission. <laughs> <laughs> and you know those fans bring the weapons? They are so creative at making stuff. It's incredible. Yeah, it's yeah they are now. Yeah. So that was an ECW trick. The fans bring the match or whatever. Yeah. I remember I was saying yesterday, I remember someone brought a Nintendo uh, PS64. Yeah, uh, I'm like, how much did you pay for this? You want me to hit me and, me and two gold Scorpio? Like, really? There you go. <laughs> yeah, I use mine. But yeah. that, did, did you have that in ECW, some of those yeah, weapons? Yeah, What were fans bringing? VCR, TV set, a, a fan, you know. Fan. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a vacuum cleaner. I got hit with a vacuum cleaner before. Yeah. yeah. One spot that I do it on a lot of shows now is I bring out a bag. You think it's thumbtacks, but it's action figures. That's what I use. I, mean, I, I always end up getting bumped on it. It hurts. It's, it's like, it's, I'd rather take thumbtacks than action figures. It's like Legos. That's what they do. The, the, the newer thing now is Legos. Yeah. Imagine that. You step on a Lego if you guys have kids and the Legos run. You step on one of those things. Just one, it hurts like shit. Imagine falling on like 15 of those. And then the action figures, what are you, you're falling on arms and exactly, legs. Exactly, like the arms sticking out, shit like that. Oh my God. What did painful. you do in the, in, the, in the match that you had, the death match? Yeah, there was, there, did you take a, there was a, like an a, a, a action figure like display case. It's called a Detolf. You could buy them at Ikea. And they were just filled with the figures. We used them as weapons. Uh, that match was wild because I walked in there thinking they might try to legitimately kill me. Because it's GCW, GCW. Like, crowd is all around, very ECW yeah. style. And I didn't know Nick Gage. I'm like, this guy might murder me in the ring. And like, GCW wants to get buzzed. It kills Zack Ryder on, on, <laughs> on Fight TV. <laughs> um, but it was just a, a wild night. Like I said, changed my whole career. It's like, okay, well, I'm definitely not doing one of these again. But I got to capitalize on it. Now I'm this, this hated guy. And it, 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 it snowballed where I do these indie shows and they, I started getting booed. I'm like, why, why are they booing me? I'm the, I'm the WWE guy. They should like me. But then it was like, you know, 50% of the chance I'd get booed. Then 75%. Then 100%. Everywhere I go is Matt Cardona. I'm like, this is great. I love this. I'm like, let's get as much heat as possible. I got a deathmatch king merchandise. I have a crown. It's ridiculous. Because everyone's like, you only had one deathmatch. No shit, mother. And I beat Nick Gage and I'm the king. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and Matt's done a great job of making a career for himself outside of the mainstream. Uh, he leaves, leaves seriously. The guy is one of the most popular guys on the indie scene. You're your own boss. You don't have to worry about all the, all the bullshit. It's been fun. It's a lot of work, but I love it. I love the hustle. I love the grind. And if I'm not, you know, like, of course, I want a lot of money, but I have no problem working to get it. And, and now we have our own toy line. And like, I've made a Nick Gage action figure where he's got the pizza cutter, he's covered in blood. Like, it's fun. It's fun to, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it to give back, but it's cool to wrestle guys like Nick Gage or Joey Janelle or Effie, these guys in GCW. 
you know, I beat them, of course, and then I make their figure <laughs> and make money off of them. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> and we're making Sabu. <laughs> you mentioned Nick Gage once again and the pizza cutter. Uh, one of the great spots we had in our death match is he has a pizza cutter and literally rubs it, uh, you know, he lit, it's not a gimmick pizza cutter. It's a pizza cutter. <laughs> and it's one of those things, what are you going to do? Well, if, okay, well, just go for it. This is so coincidence, it could never happen anywhere else. So we go to break, and in, uh, in AEW, it's called Picture in Picture. So there's, you see the commercial, yeah. and you still see the match in the corner. You guys are buzzing because you know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> Nick is massacring me with a pizza cutter while there's a Domino's pizza <laughs> ad. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Nobody could have ever guessed that. And they were angry. Domino's Pizza was so angry. And I was like, no, you guys should make a Nick Gage, Chris Jericho pizza commercial. Yeah. Like now. Yeah. Yeah. How many pizzas That's would great. you sell with the Nick Gage pizza cutter? And like, you know what I mean? I just, I was laughing so hard because, you know, you have these matches. And idea. all anybody's talking about is the commercial. What do you think? talk about i don't know there's a domino's commercial all i know is i'm getting destroyed by this lunatic killing me with a pizza cutter and everyone's laughing because of the domino's and speaking of pizza cutters you can buy the mac cardona pizza cutter on maccardonamerch.com <laughs> available now that's awesome wow i love where he came prepared with this in his pockets <laughs> always ready mother <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So well, let's talk about ECW because we were discussing it last night with uh, with Eddie Kingston and Dan Lambert actually had the original NWA title that Shane Douglas dropped in the garbage can. And I was explaining ECW really was a revolution. Uh, I think people forget, um, if you weren't around at that time frame, just how, how pop, not popular, but how um, influential ECW was to basically all the wrestling that you see in this day. Do you agree with that, Sabu? Yes, I agree, except for, except for it wasn't a plan. Uh, I was booked one day, and it happened. And uh, just so, uh, Polly said, go to the ring, do whatever you want. So it wasn't like I had any guidelines or any rules or, or, or don't do this, don't do that. He said, do whatever you want. So I did it, and that took off. And then they, they built the company around that match, the match I had with Taz, a, a hardcore match. You know, so it wasn't like a, a blueprint, and then we're gonna see this through. It happened, and then kept at, kept building. You know, so it was a uh, it was excellent. You know, yeah, and we were uh, we were rock stars at ECW. Man. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> I got to be Elvis every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they used to uh, we used to stay at the Travel Lodge in Philly, right oh, by the yeah. airport, and all the fans would go there. So after the show, it was just like this giant party. Party, yeah. And the only bad thing was that Paul E., Paul Heyman, would do promos. But he would do them, like, at all hours of the night. 
Until 7 and 8. 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. So you could go hang out with everybody and have the big party, but you had to kind of still be a little bit in your head because if not, you had to do your promos, you won't be too loaded to go and do the promos for TV, right? <laughs> yeah, it was on 17th floor. We used to do the promos. 17th floor, yep. good memory, exactly. Yep. And Sabu and I only wrestled, it's so crazy, we wrestled once in our entire careers, one time. Paulie sold that match forever for 10 years later <laughs> yeah yeah did you ever get a royalty check from that oh I neither did I. <laughs> I i almost got a t-shirt <laughs> you know who was at that match no tony khan you're kidding me yeah. so was my agent uh josh he was there really yeah there you L go. lulu temple yeah lulu, lulu so. temple yeah. in uh what was it called Just, or i think he told me that but yeah jim yeah. thorpe pennsylvania Jim, uh, no lulu temple and help me out somebody I don't know what. So it wasn't Jim Thorpe, though. That's actually where we wrestled, though, the Lulu Temple. Yeah, it was a Jewish There's uh, a name temple. for you. <laughs> Lenny, you mentioned that you did the, the, the very first barbar match in South Africa. Tell us just what was it like even wrestling in South Africa? I've never been there before. Uh, it was crazy. We'd be in, like, tennis stadiums, 20,000, 30,000 people. Wow. Um, so when I first got here, got there, one thing really stuck out to me. So at our shows we have, or even indie shows, there's just some guys with shirts that say security, right? So at our shows, the guys are big. Indie shows, it's just whoever they can get from the front row that doesn't want to pay, they put on a shirt. <laughs> I go there, and it's all these military guys with machine guns and German shepherds, and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this right away, it's scary. Um, one of the guys that was there got slashed for 27 stitches on his way back. And then they're like, oh, yeah, go out and do your best heel stuff. I'm like, oh, my, like, I could die at this, <laughs> this any moment. So they try to, like, hit, they throw stuff at you. They totally believe there was, like, everything was super believable for them. So it was actually super easy to be, to get over as a heel because they're right on it. And now, once again, you learn to adapt. We had to go down this hallway, and I would see guys would get hit with sticks and bottles thrown at them as they walked down this hallway to the, to, uh, the dressing room. So I'd always grab a chair just before I had to go down there and just hold it over me. And you could just hear on the top of the chair as I made it by. And then everybody's like, oh, I should have thought of that. And I've, got, I've been like, you guys have been here for eight years, and you've never thought of this? Like, you got to protect yourself. But it was, it was cool. The barbed wire match I had, the place was sold out. I think it was like 20,000 people. One thing that they didn't count on was they were selling cans of Coke, and they were all squishing the cans and making, like, little projectiles out of them. Oh, wow. So I went in there, got on the mic, got crazy heat, and next thing you know, we're just getting bombarded with, like, hundreds or hundreds of cans, thousands of cans. The referee tried to cover me. They threw me. They took a table, and they had to, like, hide me underneath this table. The place had to, it had to stop because they had to clean out all these cans. They kept telling people not to throw it. Like, the referee got hit so much, he was, his whole shirt was cut, he was bleeding. <laughs> I just used him as a well, shield the, more the whole time. The more they say don't do something, the more they're going to yeah, do they, it. Yeah, they kept doing it. But um, the match, well, and before the match even started, I don't usually ever walk down to the ring, but this, for some reason, I did this time, and I'm glad I did because I got there, and they had the ring all set up, but it was razor wire. Not barbed wire. Oh, so that's shit. a completely different that's animal. De that's wow. different. That's, that's different. like, okay, one's going to hurt you, but this is going to kill yeah, one of yeah. us. Right. So that's I told different. them they had to change it, and then they were like trying to talk me into doing it. And I was like, well, I'm not even going <laughs> to wrestle tonight unless you change it. So they changed it. Uh, it went good. I got suplexed on the barbed wire a bunch of times. The local guy won, and everybody was super happy. God. I love right. it. Yeah, suplexing the barbed wire a couple times. Whatever, brother. <laughs> yeah. The one thing is, barbed wire never scared me. 
I don't know why. I just, I'm, I'm actually good with it. I love to do, I do that all the time. It's easy. The, the thing that bothered me about barbed wire, I remember we did, the, 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 we did uh, a Hell in the Cell, Triple H and I, and this was when Hell in the Cells, every one somebody fell off the top. And we wanted to change that pattern. Like, you can't have someone take a bump off the top of the cage every time. You just every can't. Time, right. There's only so many ways you can do it. Sooner or later, it just becomes cliche. So we'll, let's just let's go to the top of the cage, but do the finish on top of the cage. And that was kind of the transition to now that they just do Hell in the Cells in the cell. Triple H had, the, uh, uh, he had this, this bat covered in barbed wire. And so I escape out of the ring. I start climbing. He grabs his barbed wire bat, which we put a, a loop of string on it so he could put it around his arm so he could still climb with it. And when we got to the top of the cage, now this thing, when you look at the, at the ground looking up at the hell in the cell, you're like, that's not too bad. He's, he knows. When you stand up there and look down, oh, my oh, God, shit. dude. I, was like, I told Mick Foley, I said, you are the craziest man I've ever met in my life. Because you stand there and that bump he took, there's no way, dude. There's no way. It is like so high. So anyways, you're climbing up there with that in mind, plus you're walking on top of the cell, which it's a cage, it's a fence. So it's, yes, it's, it's not sturdy. And I'm like, this thing could break at any time. And then here comes the barbed wire bat. And once again, we didn't even bother. It, it's just barbed wire. And dude, he hit me with that thing. It got caught in my hair. And as he's pulling it out, like my hair's getting pulled out. But I don't want to move because I don't want to fall off the cage. So I'm just standing there, just ripping my hair out. I was just like, mother, why did I think of this? What am I doing? And then he gave me the pedigree on top of the cage, which again, now you're looking, you're looking down. Cage, and I'm thinking, they better, this thing better hold me, man. Because if not, I'm going all the way to the mat like Mick Foley. That's all I'm thinking with my face first. Thankfully, it, 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 it held up, but I just remember like my hair is pulled out. I'm, I'm going to die from this pedigree. It's like, what am I doing up here? I want to be down there with you guys. It sounded great on paper, though. It sounded great on paper, exactly. Um, when you're talking about, about the, the match you guys just had uh, in AEW on, on Rampage, what kind of feedback did you get from that? Because it was a great match, but it was really violent. It was, it was a mixture of a lot of different things. Um, for some people it, that were, have been fans of mine for a while, just mainly from TV on, um, it was a, a different side of me that they've seen, um, covered head to toe in blood. Um, and it was a little bit more of a, of, of a I guess, a badass-like visual that they were waiting for. They were waiting for that for, from me. But like I said, another part of it was just a lot of people being upset at women blood. being covered in blood. Yeah. And it's... weren't upset that you were beating the shit out of each other. Just no, no, they didn't that. care about that. They just cared. <laughs> I think because, too, I, bl I bled a lot. <laughs> a lot. And I was concerned that I wasn't going to before. And I, I couldn't see. Like, my, I, you could see one of my eyelids was just, like, stuck down like this because it had just molded to my face. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of people... And it just... It didn't make any sense to me because we do have quite a bit of blood on AEW TV. Like, you know, Mox bleeds all the time and a lot of people bleed all the time. But people were just up in arms about it. Just uh, And, it, and it, it upset me a lot because myself, along with the three other amazing women that were in that match, busted our ass in that match. And like that is what the focus was. And that upset me, but it also kind of did make me happy that 
it started a discussion. It started a dialogue as to why are you mad about this? Are you mad that it's blood or are you mad that it's a woman that's covered in blood? And so just to get that conversation happening, to get people to really have to defend why they're upset about it. So, you know, it was a, it was a mixture of a, diff, a lot of different stuff, but I think it was, it was a big match for me. And, and honestly, I think it's helped me, you know, kind of get to that next level that I've been trying to get to since I got here. I think it's a lot of trust from the company and from Tony to put you guys in that position, put you on last, mm -hmm. you know, main event. That's always a, a big feather in your cap for sure as well. Yeah, main event of Rampage. So they've seen, you know, everything at that point, And you're like hoping and praying that they've got it still in them to, to get behind this, especially when you're doing something as crazy as what we did. Do you remember in FMW, I don't even remember this, remember those little soy, soy sauce? Yeah. Do you remember, tell that story, that's a great one. So do you remember, like, it was Big Titan, he, he didn't like He didn't like color. the juice, right. Hated it. Like color. He was very shy about it. So I remember we go out to eat, and we had these little plastic, little fish, little fish shape, and there was plastic oh, soy yeah, sauce. Oh, yeah, 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 it came with uh, ramen or something. Yeah. yeah, and so... It's a little fish that's filled with soy sauce, and you squirt the soy he sauce. He came up with this idea, fish. he would put fake blood in that, and they try to tape that onto his wrist, this, but it would be just this giant plastic thing off his wrist, <laughs> hanging out there, and then he tried to squeeze it onto his face, remember? That was yeah, I, I was like, dude, that looks ridiculous. <laughs> Using a little fake blood squeezy thing to, to yeah. shoot. So he did that a few times. I think he got told not to do that. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> it became pink on their shirts. Yeah, that's how they knew. It and was, they could was, see through it. Was it. Blood. it was, oh, yeah. really? Real blood turns black when it gets old and crusty. And then Onita sent, sent the word over, like, yeah. hey, let's not do that. But, but I said, uh, fake juice is this too because it's intentional. You know, this ain't real juice. It's, I'm making myself bleed. You know, same as using fake, fake blood. I, I, I see no difference in it other than uh, the, it, people don't want to see fake juice. You know, they want to see real blood, but it's, the way we get it is not on the up and up, you know. Not always. Not Sometimes. Always. Yeah, yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, you mentioned something about, about starting this whole uh, uh, line of action figures. How, how did you start that? Because I even saw downstairs there was um, uh, Hornswoggle action figures and all these action figures. It's not really a deathmatch question, but how are, how are you able to do, how do you manufacture these? How do you do this? Yeah, so I, I love action figures, never grew out of it. I've had uh, many Sabu, Chris Jericho action figures in my collection. <laughs> uh, but once we got released from WWE, all these smaller toy companies were reaching out. Like, oh, we want to sign you to make your figure, and I would do it. But, like, it was taking so long, and I'm like, there's got to be a quicker way to do this, and I want to be in control of it. I, selfishly, I love not answering to anyone but myself. So I'm like, let's just make these figures, and we figured out how to do it, and we've, we've made like 40 figures in the past like two years, just signed on Sabu, so that's gonna, gonna be a bloody variant too. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's cool because you know, it's something I could sell at like my gimmick tables, I can sell signed ones, and we can sign these legends or up and coming guys that I wrestle on the indies. So it's a cool, you know, it's, it's, it's fun for me, and it's, it's fun to make money too. <laughs>
It's great to make money. <laughs> I love money. Uh, one, one I thing used we have, to. One thing we have. <laughs> I used to. One thing we uh, haven't discussed as we start to, to wind down is, is, is thumbtacks. That's become kind of the in vogue thing right now. Did you ever do thumbtacks? Uh, I did them one time with Abyss, but not a thumbtack match. You used it in, a, in the right, match. Right. Yeah. Now, thumbtacks, you mentioned uh, having the toothpicks stuck in your ass. So I did, uh, this is great. So I did a match with, with Mox um, when he was Dean Ambrose. and It was called the Ambrose Asylum. It was a cage match where we put all the weapons surrounding the, the cage. And, um, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was Mox's idea, but he, he really wanted to use thumbtacks. And so he's like, I said, yeah, I talked to Vince, and he likes the Ambrose Asylum. He's like, did you ask him about the thumbtacks? I'm like, uh, dude, if you want to use thumbtacks, you go ask him. Okay. So he goes and asks him, Vince said we could use thumbtacks. Like, oh, very cool. So I'm like, well, then, you know, you'll take the bump in the thumbtacks and everything will be great. And then Vince decided that he wanted me to lose. He changed the finish. So then I'm like, well, <laughs> you got to take the bump. <laughs> you, you can't take the bump in the thumbtacks and still win. Like... Because everybody knows what it feels like to get, you know, stabbed with a thumbtack or whatever, right? You know, or like a needle or something like that. But people might not know what a, a suplex feels like or, you know, a power bomb. But everyone knows that feeling of, of getting poked. And I thought, well, this, this, this has to be the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. <laughs> like, it has to be. Like, if you fall in thumbtacks, this has to be the end of it. So I'm like, I have to take the bump in the thumbtacks. And I was like, I don't want to do this, but whatever. So I remember I called uh, Bubba, Bubba uh, Bully Ray, and I was like, have you ever taken a thumbtack bump before? Yeah. What's it like? It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Dreamer. Hey, Tommy, you take a bump of thumbtack? I was like, it's terrible. It's, it hurts. It's, it's awful. It sucks. So I'm like, wow, this is really not going to be good. So we do the match. He pulls the thumbtacks out. Like you said, it always has to come in a velvet bag. And you pour it out, and it's just like, oh, and um, so we did a couple things. I jump up for the code breaker, and he throws me down. There's a meme that somebody made of me falling into the bar, into the thumbtacks. Because I'm kind of like, and they made all of these different scenarios with Chris Jericho, like this, like, <laughs> like the Beatles walking down Abbey Road, and Chris Jericho's in the middle, like that, or like you name it. And it was, it, it was, it reminded me of like if you've seen the Titanic. And he says, like, when you jump in the water, it's so cold, it's like being stabbed with a thousand needles. That's what falling on thumbtacks is like, literally. <laughs> yeah. And the worst part of it for me was in your hands. That's the worst, because it really is like a lion's paw getting the thorn in there. And, and pulling those out was so painful. So I go to the trainer's room to, to get all these off, and literally they're pulling them out one by one. And they get to 68 thumbtacks. I said, put them in a bucket, let's count them. I go to sit down to take off my jeans, because you got to wear jeans for a street fight, brother. And I sit down, and it's like, mother what's that? <laughs> One tack in my ass to make it 69 tacks. <laughs> and I remember somebody was like, 69 tacks? Are you just saying, I'm like, no, it literally was 69. Well, why don't you just say 70 or 68? Because then it's not real. It was 69 tax, 69. Yeah, it's true, 69 tax. That's what it was. So, uh, yeah, that last one got me right on my ass, man. Those things will bite you. Have you done the, the, the tax? Yeah, that was uh, the, the end of, 
um, <laughs> of the street fight, which honestly, one of my favorite bits of commentary was when uh, Ty went to go pick up the the velvet bag and you from commentary went, that better be a snake in there. <laughs> it made me laugh so much watching it back. But yeah, the hand, it's the, it's the worst. It hurts so bad. I've done tax before that. And honestly, to me, it's pulling them out. I feel like hurts. Maybe it's because it's a longer, more tedious process of just one. Instead, you're just like all at once. And then this just this monotonous pulling out and it's just it just hurts so bad and your nerves are shot after that so it sucks attacks suck but out of the hand is is brutal i just had a a tough enough street fight against season one winner maven one-on-one and he used a staple gun to staple an eight by ten to my head and like i got the the piece of paper off no problem but i could not get the staple out of my head and then tommy dreamer called he's like you're not supposed to use real staples i'm like what what do you use what do you use (laughs) what are you supposed to use he said they would put gum and then it would just make the noise i I don't know know that's true but i used the real staple and i couldn't get out of my head I've never done that. Last few questions, Sabu. Did you were ever ever involved like any type of like a fan riots where fans kind of like got involved in anything like that? I know in Japan that would happen from time to time. Yeah, that happened with the the Japanese mafia in Japan, but and it, it hasn't happened that many times in the states. But oh, oh, I, it happened me defending my uncle, not not them coming after me. With the Japanese Mafia? Well, the Japanese Mafia at that time was coming after Tiger G. Singh. Were you there? Yeah, I was yeah, there. They were chasing Tiger G. Singh. They had to hide him and sneak yeah. him out. Yeah, and he left me hanging there, and uh, uh, like 50 uh, Mafia guys kicked the shit out of me, and uh, Lenny, Mike Awesome, and uh, I think Horace Boulder saved me. That's right. Add to that story. You've told me that before. So was it Tiger? He hit one of them with his sword or something? Yeah, he whacked somebody with a sword. Tiger G. Singh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there was like 50 mafia guys there, and they said stay away from him. And we didn't really pay attention, but but we didn't want to go up and whack him with a sword, you know. And uh, he did, and then ran to the dressing room, right? Yeah, he took off, left yeah. us all there. Left us there. Yeah. And uh, we we took the brunt of it, and then uh, I I got took down and uh, got the shit kicked. Well, everybody got like everybody got sort of misplaced yeah, around because of I all, ran I ran down this hallway, stuff. and and the, there was a door down this hallway, and it was locked. And I turned around, and a chair went wham, mm-hmm. and then like. Like I said, like 10, 15, uh, maybe 50 mafia guys beat the shit out of me. Kick, boof, we just kicked the but shit out But when everybody else got there, they scooted like, most like of them mice. Scooted. Yeah, gone. yeah, most of them did because Mike was throwing them. On yeah, the and like there. we're twice the size of them yeah. and they're just gone. <laughs> but uh, one riot, not a riot, but an a altercation I had was on my way to New Japan down the aisle. The, a fan pulled my turban off. And I jumped the guy and started beating the shit out of this guy. But the thing was, uh, it was the wrong guy. The guy that did it ran away, but I couldn't catch him, so I grabbed the guy next to him and beat, beat him up. <laughs> so that almost caused a riot, kind of. <laughs> right out of slap shot. The monkey wrench on him. <laughs> and, and when you do the GCW, like you mentioned, you're just walking to the ring even. The fans are just right on you. Oh, they, yeah, there's, there's no security. They hated me. And then after I beat Nick Gage... They threw like tons of shit, like bottles, cans. Someone threw a real pizza cutter at me. I didn't realize until like later when like they were taking pictures of what's in the ring. Like someone threw a pizza cutter, could have killed me. But I loved it. I thought it was great. Like, was it dangerous? Sure, but in the moment, it was. I'm like, these people hate me, and I absolutely love it. You know, it was great. I always wonder what fans were thinking when they would get involved that way. We, I remember we did Raw in Las Vegas, 
and it was me and I believe it was me and Taker against Rock and Austin. And I was looking at Austin in the ring and I looked away for a second. I got hit right in the side of the head. And I remember thinking, how did Steve get down to the floor so fast? And why did he hit me so hard? And I turn around and it's a fan. And I was like, oh, dude, I run back. And as soon as I go to punch him, they cut the cameras. Like, cut, cut, cut to the other angle to show Taker just standing there. I wall up this guy, and then I took him against the guardrail, and I was just beating his ass, and Austin came out. He's like, calm down, kid, calm down, kid. And I was like, how crazy is it when Steve Austin is the voice of reason? <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, what are you thinking, man? You know what I mean? You ever been attacked by a fan? Uh, no, I've been at a few shows where... Uh, a couple fans ran and I was at the Hall of Fame when Brett got attacked by that fan. Wow, I forgot I, about yeah, that. Yeah, I was there when that happened. That was crazy. And it's also crazy, as, us as wrestlers, how we're so conditioned to run-ins that this man save. got through a sea save. of wrestlers to get to him because it all, we all have to buffer for a second and be like, is this supposed to happen? But Ronda Rousey's husband is not and he was the first one in the ring to take that dude down. Right on. And then the other time was in NXT. It was at a house show one time, and this dude was drunk and decided to get in the ring. And the, the match that he chose was mind-blowing to me because it was with uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly versus... Yeah, out of all the matches you choose, it's the two guys that are conditioned trained martial artists and kickboxers and shit like terrible choice and kyle destroyed this man kicked him so hard in the face it was crazy yeah it's like you said don't come in the ring guys don't do it <laughs> please uh, last few things, uh, Sabu, I mean, obviously we mentioned it being a pioneer, just not even just from death matches, but just as a high flyer. I mean, you're always so creative and so inventive, and you went for it, man. And, and sometimes if the rope wasn't there to, to help you stand and you, you, you fell and you just kept going, like, what, what, you had such a great uh, a creativity in that ring. What was, your, what was your mindset? Like, you were just like this crazy stuntman, high-flying I I didn't do anything in the ring that I didn't practice. I wasn't a crazy stuntman. I was a calculated wrestler, I would say. I, I'm not a stuntman. I'm not an actor. I'm a wrestler, uh, a pro wrestler. Not a, you know, I amateur wrestled, but I'm, I don't brag about that. But I do brag about I'm a pro wrestler. And I, uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I didn't do anything. It's your creativity. The, the object, the the... The, the trick was to make everybody think I'm crazy and don't know what I'm doing, but not the boss. But so Vince and a few other guys thought I was really out of control, which meant I did my job, but not really to them because they thought I was out of control, but I wasn't. But I never did any bump. I didn't already do in practice over and over, you know. With the chair and the triple? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, was no, that wasn't spontaneous. It, it's, it just looked that way. I, I practiced that for months before I did it, you know, until I had the confidence to where I know I could stand on the rope without falling. And sometimes I would get uh, criticized for, for botching. But I, I tell you, half those botches was the work. You know, half of them, I, I planned those. You, know, the, you planned them? I planned them. And why would you plan them? Because uh, if I wanted the guy to stop me, and I don't, I don't know, I would stop myself. You know, and that way he can get back on me without me having to do any, you know. Very smart. I, yeah. You missed the move. I, I, exactly. Yeah. And then sometimes I'd miss a move. 
on purpose, and then I'd miss a move on accident, so I kind of looked like a up match, but uh, not not all the time. But a lot of times when I missed that move, I did it on purpose. You know, very very interesting stuff. Uh, last question for you guys, um, just in general, what's your favorite match that you've ever had? What you, Matt? Well, Ruby's thinking. I mean, uh, I'm not just saying it because we're on this death match panel, but I think it is me versus Nick Gage because it totally changed my whole career. Because if I if I didn't do that match, I'd be doing random indies right now with no buzz. I'd probably. Be Miserable, not making money. But now, like, I, I'm, do, I'm so busy. I won the Independent Wrestler of the Year. <laughs> Which is ridiculous to even say. Uh, but this is, like, the, the most fun I've ever had in my career, just, just doing this indie run and always trying to piss you people off. And uh, hopefully it's working. But, yeah, I think my favorite match is the, uh, the match versus Nick Gage because uh, even from that match, like, we've made two sets of action figures from it. Like, uh, these two different companies have made, like, Nick Gage was Matt two packs. And it's like, what the f*** all of uh, this, this stupid death match? But it's, it changed my whole career. So thanks, guys, for supporting. Hell yeah. And he's up for the Jericho Cruz Oceanic Championship tonight versus Flip Gordon. Yeah. Got to watch that. I'm going to kick Flip's ass. Yeah. <laughs> Ruby, did you come up with something? Yeah, um, I have a few for different reasons, but probably the two that stand out is is definitely that street fight. That street fight, we put everything that we had into that. It was a great match. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky to have gotten to be alongside the locker room that I am. Um, and honestly, another one, even though I almost got booed out of the damn building, was my match with Chris Stantlander in Las Vegas. Um, for the the Owen Hart tournament, but I'm still waiting for that one match that I can always know immediately. That's my favorite. Like I have so many for different reasons, but I'm still waiting for that one. That's just the one that I feel the most. So I'm I'm excited to get it. So far, so good. How about you, Luther? I like have so many actually. Like lots when actually when we were young wrestling, I still think about those. I've had lots of good ones in Cebu, but. Genuinely, I would say my favorite matches are every match I get to have with Serpentico. He's like Aww, the he's best the part best. ever. Aww. Yeah. How about you, Sabu? I would have to say um, uh, RVD or, 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 or The Big Show. I, I like wrestling The Big Show. The Big Show? Yeah, I loved wrestling. Really? Yeah. When did you work with Big Show? Uh, early in the ECW, WWE thing uh, on, uh, what was that, uh, Sci-Fi Channel? Yeah. So why did you enjoy working with Big Show so because much? Because he did things I didn't do, and I did things he didn't do, and that's what I like. I don't like uh, tit for tat. I like, I do my thing, you do your thing, and then uh, we have a match. And, uh, and my thing is a nothing he does, and it, there's nothing he does that uh, I do, you know. So that's what I, I enjoy the most of. That's why I want to wrestle. If I could have my dream match right now, it would be against uh, Brock Lesnar because he wrestles, exactly, he, he wrestles exactly the way I would want my opponent to be, you know. Well, guys, it's been great talking to you. It's been great talking to Sabu. Much respect for Sabu right here. Lots of sacrifice. Lenny, Matt, Ruby, thank you, guys.